Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Ether is the perfect drug for Las Vegas. In this town, they love a drunk. Fresh meat. Come on, buddy. So they put us through the turnstiles and turned us loose inside. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dosing of Ether. This is your host, Lucian, and joining me again this week is Evan Van Ness. How you doing, Evan? I'm doing fantastic. Pouring myself another mate. Oh yeah? I, uh, I've actually, like, cut back on mate. I, uh, went a little too hard. Like, any new habit, I overdid it, and now I'm... <laughs> like slowly scaling it back. Yeah, good for you. I've uh, I've been thinking maybe you know I came back from Paris, um, ECC, and I quit caffeine and alcohol for I forget how long, two weeks, a month, um, and then of course uh, I've basically kept quitting the the alcohol, not entirely. Like my wife and I have like a glass of red wine at meals, like we share one. Um, but the caffeine is still pretty, uh, uh, I'm still, still using caffeine pretty regularly. <laughs> it was quite difficult. I couldn't stop all at once. So it rather than like, I actually tapered the, uh, the amount that I put in my mate glass from like two thirds filled to like halfway to like using it less and less. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was basically consuming a kilogram of mate like every two weeks i'm like this is ridiculous (laughs) they started like opening my packages because i had so many packages of loose plant matter being shipped to my house (laughs) some of them were like inspected i'm like yeah this might be a problem (laughs) yeah so a lot of the argentines when they go abroad they will bring their mate and uh, I'm always surprised because, I mean, they're Argentine. Maybe it helps getting away with it, especially like, especially in the Argentine airport, they're not going to flag you for it. But I just feel like if I take mate, I'm just getting on like, you know, terrorist watch lists and we'll never be able to fly. And the government's already, you know, as as a jobs program, made it so ridiculous to be able to fly and you got to get there hours early and whatnot that I don't want like another, you know, hour long wait every time I have to go to the airport. So. <laughs> Because um, you have to explain, fly. you have to explain why you need okay. kilograms worth of tea in your carry-on, or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the opening scene from Blow. <laughs> but so you are now a free man, um, Liberty. How does it feel? How does it taste? I, I was I was born a free man <laughs> in Texas. Texans are born free, so far anyway. I thought it was. Uh... Uh, no, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm. I'm no longer part of consensus. I. I don't think we'd actually talked about it on the show before. Yeah, in late March, I decided that I was going to. Uh, leave consensus. I so I like I, I sent Joe an email and said I was done and I was my last day would be I think May first, and so uh, yeah, I've uh, been on my own for uh, three weeks or so now. Nice. How was the surviving in the wild? How was the transition? Yeah, it's a, you know it's not really that much different. I uh, you know when you work from home, which I've done for five years now, um, almost three of those were consensus. Uh, there's just not that much of a difference, and I yeah, you know now I got to go fend for myself, I suppose, but. Um, you know, I, I sold some ads, um, like call them major sponsors, uh, for the newsletter. So, uh, each major sponsor got 12 weeks. So I sold, you know, 48 of the, of the 52 weeks of the year. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that was, that was an interesting sales process. Um, not necessarily easy. Um, but I'm definitely thankful to the, to the people that, 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 you know, that took the leap of faith and, and decided to sponsor the, the newsletter, Weekend Ethereum. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, they are Trello Fits, Seller Network, Zero X and Chainlink, and I'm I'm nervous saying it on on you know relatively live. We could have always edited it out, but I'm always nervous I'm going to forget one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's like uh, cursing out Rupert Murdoch on Fox News. <laughs> it's uh, anyway, yeah. I, I, I'm actually completely joking about that. It it's actually awesome that you were able to get. Uh, sponsors that just align with the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, you, in my opinion, I think you uh, managed to find this like really good sponsors very quickly. It was like one big tweet, basically, that <laughs> kind of just blew up. And then uh, it wasn't even the first one. It was like the second one. <laughs> and uh, was that kind of how it went? Was it like... You have the Twitter following, you have like the newsletter and uh, basically like the personal connections are still there. Was it basically just like turning to your existing network and saying like, hey, um, you know that banner at the bottom that said consensus? Now you could put your company name here too. <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't know if the tweets really had that much to do with it. Uh, it was, you know, it's a sales process, right? And I think it is not, uh, you know, there's the old quote about advertising from, uh, I think it was John Wanamaker, who uh, I think if you're, you know, not as old as I am, or, you know, he was uh, big in like the Philadelphia area, that was where the original store was. So, you know, if you're if you're not from like the the eastern seaboard of the United States, maybe you don't recognize that name. But I mean, he was like a retail magnet uh, once upon a time, and he had a, a pretty famous quote call, which was, uh, "I know half of my advertising is dollars are wasted. The problem is I don't know which half." Hmm. And I think that's really you know like for a lot of advertising decisions, it's it's hard to figure out like what is going to move the dial and. You know, one one thing that is, you know, like we in this industry hate, you know, the Web2 surveillance capitalism. But like one thing that the marketers love about, you know, the surveillance capitalism is that you can actually find out what does work, which is, you know, been a perpetual problem in, in marketing. Right. Um, and people get promoted and then it turns out they didn't actually know what they were talking about, <laughs> but they talked a good game, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, whereas it's it's a lot harder to fake in this web two world, um, but in, in this you know in with the newsletter it is a little bit hard to to track how how you know I couldn't really point to something and guarantee. So I mean you know it, it, like I said like I think the, the people that took a leap of faith on on uh, on the newsletter like I you know the newsletter will continue or not in a year basically. Um, whether I can, whether those folks want to continue or whether I, you know, can find people uh, who also want to sponsor. So yeah, that's the way I think about it. I, I do think, you know, for some people it should be a pretty much a no brainer. Um, like um, I'm probably going to sell the four remaining issues like pretty expensively because I think there are people that are just, you know, if you're doing a product launch and you want to make sure that, you know, people see it like maybe that one line in the app layer section or whatever isn't good enough for you so um probably gonna sell those like quite a bit expensively and it oddly enough it that seemed like something that from the start i should sorry i'm talking about my own sales process here but <laughs> uh from from the start like uh I, I mean i did talk to a bunch of people and and a bunch of people you know and very few people actually said no, but a lot of people just ghosted me on the follow-up or, you know, they wanted to talk about their own terms or, you know, whatnot. Um, I, uh, I forget where I was going with that. Anyway. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> it was, part of the sales it, it was a process, sale. you know? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember, like, having um, started my own business finally after like working several years in order to like get to that point myself. And um, it definitely was a lot more difficult to actually follow up um, sales leads specifically when you weren't attached to a larger organization. Um, sometimes like brand names just open doors for you. But um, 
I think in your case, you always have been producing independent news. And the fact that it's actually independent of an organization now, it's, um, it adds to like kind of the, well, <laughs> your article has always been kind of like, this is what I think. And I don't even know if you had a banner saying like, my views are not that of my employers <laughs> because you and consensus, like you didn't speak on behalf of consensus per se, but uh, you guys also didn't disagree. <laughs> like, if there is such a thing as an Ethereum maximalist, it's possible that you would be considered one. And Consensus is like the only organization that could be considered a large Ethereum maximalist organization. Um, so I, I would say I'm wearing a Near t-shirt right now. Okay. Near is the Tezos killer. Um, is not that Tezos is really alive, but say. somehow it's top ten in market cap. <laughs> uh, so you know they're the market cap of Tezos Keller. Um, so yeah, I would say that to the ETH maximalist. I I uh, I should also say I'm an investor in here. Uh, I think they're doing great stuff. I think they they have a good developer experience, and I think it's like good for uh, Ethereum to like up its up its developer experience game as well. I. You know, interestingly enough, like consensus has always said that they are, you know, Joe has always said that it is more than just an Ethereum company. Um, like over the years, people have just never really paid attention to it. On the other hand, I would also say that actions speak louder than words and, you know, only really consensus has built things for Ethereum. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, Truffle, I think, is now spun out, and so now Truffle is is making stuff for these, you know, like enterprise things that are going nowhere. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I don't know if they would still be doing that if they were still part of Consensus. I, I my guess would be not. And by the way, I think you know, I guess maybe that is the part where I am in Ethereum Max Plus. I think it's probably a bad strategic move. I mean, like, like uh, I don't know, is there really a, a future in like? Yeah, I don't know. Corda. In private chains. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, yeah, exactly. there might be a future. So let's talk about Braves. Um, first of all, they have uh, 5 million daily active users, of which I am one. Um, and I know you are Me a too. very uh, outspoken supporter of Brave as well. It's worth noting for our listeners, though, that I personally don't use Brave for everything. For example, I definitely don't conduct video calls over Brave. Um, I don't log in to Google products generally when I'm on Brave. Um, I use Brave as the web browser that I do for actual browsing, right? Same here. Yep. There's no point in playing in a walled garden um, with some like minor advantages of like script blocking and privacy by default functionality. However, I do have to note that using Brave on a mobile device to watch YouTube is so nice. <laughs> if you don't have, like you probably have like pop-ups and ads uh, for YouTube, but if you watch it through Brave, they're blocked by default. Um, and yeah, that's just so much better. <laughs> What's your Brave yeah, user I, habit? I, mean, I, I think people just need to like find I, the right place for Brave within their daily uh, workflow, and then they'll start using it. Yeah, I mean, you can always open up a... I mean, I could use Brave 100%. There are some reasons I don't... Uh, I have Opera because I like their VPN hmm. uh, option. So if I need a a an IP address, which is not in the United States and which is not Tor, then I then Opera is a, is a great option on, on desktop. I don't know if they have that on mobile. Um, I think I just use Brave. I, I think on mobile, I only use Brave. I think I have DuckDuckGo installed all, but I don't really use it. Um, so like, you know, Opera on desktop is great for that VPN option. Um, of course, in general, if I do want privacy, I use, I use Tor on Brave, which I think is an incredible feature that Brave offers. And I think is underused but 
Um, also, I mean, I think it's it's insane to me. Some people have like, you know, these like little nitpicks. Like they think that Brave is like if you open up a new a new uh, tab, it doesn't load quite fast enough. Like you know, two milliseconds is so much slower than a millisecond and a half. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, everybody has their own little quirks with their web browser. Uh, uh, you know, even Brave's new tab loading time has gone down a lot. And I think you can even turn off everything so that it, it's basically the same as anyone else's. Um, but yeah, I mean, YouTube is, for example, is great. No, no ads, natively blocked. You know, I do a lot of my music listening on YouTube. So that's incredible. I, yeah, I, it's, it's crazy to me that, you know, more people don't use Brave, honestly. And I can sort of understand why you might not like the ads, you know, like Brave Rewards, but you can turn that off and on, you know, with two clicks, right? So, um, yeah. The, the one thing in particular is going to news organizations. If you do any sort of news reading, you absolutely have to use Brave because they are loading crazy amounts of JavaScript that just live in your browser and slow down your computer performance and your and drain your battery that, you know, if you're not using Brave to like go to like CNET or ABC News or BBC or whatever it is, like you are insane. <laughs> yeah, it's also, um, I'm looking at my own browser and I kind of feel like a hypocrite having not done this, but <laughs> I have different development environments. So um, using Chrome and pop-up block, sorry, pop-up blockers and ad blockers specifically, um, especially in Chrome, doesn't necessarily provide you privacy. It is possible for the ad blockers themselves to actually scrape some of the metadata about the pages that they blocked. Um, Add-ons for... No, it, it's worse than that. Most of the ad blockers literally sell all your data. Like you're just choosing a different metalman to sell, sell all your privacy. There is one that is really good that a lot of people use. I think it's like uBlock or something for Chrome. Mm -hmm. that it, I think it's like open source and you can build it. But uh, uh, even that like doesn't block as well as, as Brave does. Yeah, it's um, the add-ons aren't aren't as comparable of a solution. And I'm looking at my tabs. I have so many add-ons. Wow, <laughs> I should probably do something about that. But I don't use this browser for um, general browsing, anyways. So it's um, it's a interesting play. I think Brave is um, so. The reason we also wanted to bring up Brave getting back to uh, what we were talking about earlier, um, private networks specifically, right? Um, Brave recently launched some developer tools for spinning up a large-scale private network um, and monitoring it and maintain and like checking the health of it. Um, that means Brave is probably going to be moving um, to a privately managed Ethereum uh, cluster. And I saw in your annotated edition that they also plan on creating a bridge to mainnet Ether. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm assuming there's a bridge. I haven't actually checked in on that. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I am quite confident that they are I don't know if it's, well, I don't know if it's public, but I'm sure they're moving to, <laughs> to some sort of like POA chain. I think, I think it's public. Uh, and I assume they're going to bridge it back. Um, and you know what? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily keep like a million dollars in, in bat if I, their basic attention token, if I, if I were to have had a million dollars, but like for every normal user, I mean, you don't need a trust assumption more than, you know, more than a POA sidechain. So I think it's totally reasonable. I don't, I mean, you don't even need like a layer two, right? Like just having a sidechain, which is a federated thing, I think is totally fine for their use case. Especially because they're basically issued by a centralized organization anyways. So if they also handle the validation of blocks, it's basically the same thing because they're the ones who are issuing you your tokens to begin with. The trust assumption doesn't change is what I'm saying. 
you mean yeah i guess yeah because you can always like afterwards you can put put them on the main chain just like you can now mm -hmm. yeah that's probably true yeah i think the one uh difference would be like donating directly to um to content creators uh through the brave token so if uh some content creator enables it you're able to actually donate your brave tokens directly to that individual and uh that but you can do that it, right now it's just it'll be cheaper if they don't have transaction fees and it's not much of a difference uh in terms of like transparency because they'll still maintain the chain and they'll still have a block explorer so you'll be able to see that your transaction went into your content creators wallet regardless um so it's still independently verifiable um even if they do use a private chain i think there's a lot of uses for private chains and i think those uses are going to shrink in um, several years time however um, there are certain things that you need to do currently with blockchains that you can't do on public chains and it's not like every use case is covered by a public chain yet so it's uh, it's still very much a work in progress I think things are going to continue developing on private chains and then moving on chain once the economics of it uh, makes sense Yeah, so I guess from there, let's let's uh, talking about the the bat token. We we will segue to the Reddit token, which launched this week. Yep, they on uh, the on Robst Robston. Yeah, the uh, Geth Test Network. I think it was on Rinkabee, Rinkabee. but yeah, yeah, uh, they they launched yeah they launched their their token uh, and wallet, you know, ETH wallet creation. For the Fortnite and the crypto Fortnite BR technically is the R slash Fortnite BR and the R slash cryptocurrency subreddits. Mm -hmm. The funny thing there is that the Fortnite subreddit has last I checked had six X the number of wallets created. <laughs> <laughs> There's also like a million people on that subreddit. I don't know how actively popular Fortnite is right now, but like a year or two ago, it was probably the most popular video game in the world. I mean, cryptocurrency has a million, a million people subscribed to the subreddit too. So mm, okay, yeah. I I personally don't like the cryptocurrency subreddit. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> There's too much. Shooting. I have pretty bad things to say about. Yeah, I have bad things to say about their moderators. Oh yeah, yeah, they I, they block your. I would like I would like to believe. Yeah, yeah, I would like to believe that they are honest and just incompetent, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I I actively think they're pumping numbers. I mean, it's just a, yeah. I mean, they I probably are. If I manage that subreddit, I would do illicit pump and dump schemes because, like, the tokens that you see listed there are. They have most of the time I search through it. I'm like, either I've no, I have no idea what's going on in this industry, or there are a bunch of token projects that have no actual value that are constantly being promoted by I don't know who. <laughs> and you go in there and you're like, I've never heard of any of these projects. I can't find a redeeming quality about them. So why is there so much engagement on it? Um... <laughs> it's like I always say, this industry is embarrassing. Like uh, the, uh, we're saying I work in crypto. I, I mean, there's just, there's so much shadiness. To be fair, like, I mean, I've, you know, I'm sort of old, so I remember the 90s as well. There was a lot of tech scams and the IPO bubbles and, you know, uh, insane valuations, et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, I, I like there's, there's nothing new under the sun, but, uh, you know, technology, new technology that a lot of people don't understand, but can, you know, they can hype up. Uh, and the hype, you know, I you know, might be well deserved, right? It certainly was for the internet, and it was for Web two, and et cetera, et cetera. But I think it is for this too. But uh, you know, 
know, most people don't understand that they, you know, fall victim to these pump and dumps. Anyway, I, we probably shouldn't get too deep into that. Right. So with the Reddit token, though, um, what was your experience? I heard some mixed reviews regarding the vault for Android. Um, some of our colleagues had, I mean, the, anyone who used anything except the Reddit native app just couldn't get it to work. But that's fine. That's not something you can control. Um, what was your experience in using the wallet? Yeah, I haven't used it yet. I'm embarrassed to admit. I, uh, although, and I don't know if I will because, I mean, it, you're supposed to have to use the mobile app. I mean, that's how they designed it. And I hate mobile apps and don't install any. I mean, my phone, like I don't have, I use Twitter on my phone all the time, but I don't have the Twitter app on my phone. I just use it in Brave. Uh, no ads. You know, that way there's a lot, <laughs> lot less trackers, a lot less ads. Yeah, totally. So I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm surprised people even tried to do it without the app. Like they were trying to call the contracts directly. No, they were um, using um, like a third party aggregator service. I forgot the name of it. Um, it was like specifically to like customize how you use Twitter. Because it has an open SDK, you could essentially like set up your own filters. For example, rather than having a timeline that's dictated by um, Twitter, because they don't have an open source algorithm, you could essentially have your own feeds. But um, yeah, it my experience was the was actually pretty good. It, but the vault and the password backup um, didn't work very well. The uh, seed phrase, they had an opt out option rather than installing, uh, rather than, this is actually something that I thought was kind of curious, rather than saving a seed phrase, you could create another password with Reddit that locks up your vaults and they will hold your seed phrase for you encrypted. So it's like a... Yeah, but it's, the only difference is that it had to be like a 12-character password that they use to lock up your tokens. I didn't use it because I'm not on the cryptocurrency subreddit or the Fortnite subreddit. Um, I kind of hope that this experiment just works on its own without... <laughs> without any promotion or involvement from people who actually use cryptocurrencies because if this is entirely dependent on uh, the crypto community like rallying behind a uh, a company's like specific private network implementation um, there's no way to like actually get tokens unless you participate in that community and like earn them by having them donated to you by other people or by um paying for them so i wasn't going to do either of those <laughs> that was where my experimentation ended i also heard uh yeah it's it it, it i mean they're definitely focused on usability I, I i'm i'm quite sure of that and they're thinking of it as an experiment which is why they only launched with two subreddits and uh yeah i mean we'll see what happens i guess i i like i said i think it's fascinating that you know fortnite is you know so many more wallets created than cryptocurrency i you know <laughs> i think that i think there's a lot of things you could try to extrapolate from that but i'll probably i'll probably i've already said my bit <laughs> we'll we'll draw our own conclusions <laughs> and um the other aspect is the there's a lot of parallels to eth trader and the donuts um, you are a lot more active in that subreddit. Um, are there any parallels that you would take away? Um, well, I mean, the, the, uh, the ETH trader thing uses Aragon. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's any notion of a DAO. Like, I mean, they certainly don't use the DAO language. I don't think they use Aragon, but like in the, in, in community points for cryptocurrency and, and Fortnite, but having not used it, I, I'm not certain of that. I'm just the, the feeling I've gotten. Uh, and I think it's a bit more gas efficient as well. 
Um, you know, the ETH trader thing is, is cool. I, I, you know, I've mostly, you know, used it, the, the points to buy the banner a few times, uh, and put like, you know, subscribe to week ethereum basically. Uh, I think that's an, an under a generally undervalued piece of, of ad space. So I should probably do it more often, but on the flip side though, like the, the area, like the Aragon Dow, like front end for the, for the ETH trader, like, I, I don't know. I, I use a lot of apps in the space and i couldn't really see a reason to use it aside from buying the banner so okay yeah interesting so yeah it seems like while it may have been a larger inspiration it seems like the donuts experiment was actually a lot more complicated yeah i mean i think there were there's reddit's been thinking about playing with this for a while so you know i i remember they had an ad in 2016 or something like that maybe earlier i remember that uh, in fact i'm pretty sure it made week in ethereum back in the day then uh and kevin rose for example um he tweeted like in 2014 about how if he was doing dig then he would do it um you know with like a, a token uh so i think they've been thinking about it for a while and you know they're experimenting right mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that it's usable for people and that's you know hence all of the you know the stuff about key management right so yeah i don't know if i would say it's more complicated i think is the is the what i'm trying to say here i think it's just different and it's a different you know different way they're experimenting and you know they're gonna see how it goes you know and they were willing to devote some resources to it and i think they're they're probably pretty pleased given how it's gone so far, you know, like Fortnite in particular, like a non-crypto subreddit having 10,000 wallets is pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. And, uh, if you, if you went to reddit.com, I believe it was reddit.com slash community dash points, like the, the thing for their, their page, they, they kind of, they kind of frame it as being part of, of an initiative to decentralize Reddit from from the start, so mm -hmm. um, at least that that's what I remember seeing when I when I visited it. You know, like as in, uh, like they literally start with the internet used to be decentralized, right? Yeah. And so yeah, uh, I, they literally criticize themselves. They're, they're trying to do that. <laughs> they literally criticize themselves by like basically saying, and then everyone moved into walled gardens, right? <laughs> It's like, yeah, this is Reddit. Like, it's a venture capital backed startup. It's no longer like a community. It's probably one of the five most visited websites. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like Reddit's done a good job of decentralizing the editorial control. I mean, I think that would be what they would say. And I think that's like a reasonable view on it, right? Like, yeah, they. It's the people that get to exercise the editorial views rather than. Know some guy sitting in a skyscraper in Manhattan. That's true. And for those of you that are upset that I said guy, I mean, I think statistically it likely is a guy, and that's you know also part of the problem, right? Like, <laughs> although Reddit is probably just as is uh, is if not more so male dominated uh, than as a tech company. You know. Yeah, I think tech companies are even more male dominated than media companies. But you're well, right in terms of moderation. I meant, I meant the average redditor. The average redditor. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I. I mean, I don't actually know, but I mean, it certainly has the the reputation of. I don't think anybody really knows, right? Like, yeah. There's no way of really knowing, but I. Uh, I think there are have been some surveys that show that it's you know quite male dominated. Hmm. Yeah, ironically, the part of Reddit that I like the most is browsing it anonymously, in the fact that I like seeing a Reddit front page that. Um, I'm, that is not tailored to uh, to any specifications or any um, like likes or interactions. Um, yeah, I I prefer to browse Reddit anonymously, and as I do with almost any service. As in you logged out. I mean logged out through Brave, like never connected an identity to that IP, never left or produced metadata that would impact how a session looks. Um, it's actually really nice, kind of refreshing. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it, it's the idea that if you constantly have media that is tailored to your interests and your likes, you're less likely to be exposed by things that, like, you wouldn't know yourself that you would have liked. Um, so I find the randomness of that experience to be quite nice. And they do have a website that is fairly friendly to anonymous browsing. Um, like the polar opposite of Facebook <laughs> or LinkedIn or other social network sites that have to track you or else you aren't allowed in. And I hope, I really do uh, feel like the, that splash page that you were talking about, um, if you have the Reddit app on your phone, I would go through the setup process just to like actually go through that. Um, so it explains their motivations um, and why they're doing it. And um, it actually sounds a lot like uh, Corey Petty's ideas of decentralized community building um, from his uh, previous presentations, if you'd heard them, and um, part partially his vision for status as well. The idea that um, small micropayments uh, and peer-to-peer -peer payments allow people to uh, generate but also maintain um, connections and groups and they're able to organize and self-organize in a way that isn't necessarily dictated. Um, I wonder if the financial rewards of these cryptocurrencies are actually like necessary or a prerequisite to the proper or sustainable uh, moderating of groups like that, right? Um, I don't, I don't really know. Is it to incentivize the contributors? Is it to incentivize the moderators? Um, or is it just to exchange value between like a group of like-minded individuals? Yeah, I think it's mostly an experiment to see what people like and how they use it. I think the idea is probably a little bit more around governance, but you know, we'll we'll see what how people use it in, in the wild, right? Do they do they do people vote? Do they want to vote, or do they just want to you know be able to use their token that they get from you know posting good content to you know buy novel sticker packs and and whatnot? So mm. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Plus the combination of that with uh, a potential in-game currency or like V-Bucks in uh, Fortnite. Like V-Bucks, you actually have to pay for. Like The entire monetization scheme of Fortnite, it's actually changed. It's actually changed a lot. Before they used to have loot boxes which were randomized and uh, people complained to Congress that it's uh, comparable to gambling because you're paying for probabilistic distribution of goods. So you're not even exchanging it for goods or services. You're just exchanging it for the chance of getting something rare just so you could show off through like cosmetics. Um, but yeah, they, they changed their business model on Fortnite now to subscription services um, or season passes as they call it in the gaming industry, which is interesting um, having seen um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know what the, um, if the Reddit token itself is actually supposed to be an exchange of value. You say it's supposed to actually help with moderation and, like, voting. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out and what they use it for. So what's what's next? What should we talk about next? Let's, uh, let's go to... Let's finish the discussions about large organizations and corporations before we uh, swing back to the agile blockchain companies and mention that um, Visa's on Ethereum. Uh, sorry, Visa has a patent um, on Ethereum for how to digitize a dollar. Do you have any uh, opinions on that specific piece of news outside from the fact that while they are threatened by it, they're also experimenting with it, which means they're investing in uh, research money into that direction? 
Yeah, you know, in September 2018, uh, you know, I, I do this annotated version of the newsletter and I put the exact words in in, in there that I found. Uh, but the, the visa chairman in September 2018, he said something like, uh, we found that blockchain for us just isn't an interesting technology. Uh, and, you know, the, the exact same guy this week, uh, there was, you know, one of these fireside chats at a conference and he, you know, he said like, yeah, we support digital currencies. Like, um, it was the same context. I mean, it was blockchain. It was like, we support these things. Like they could be additive to the payments ecosystem. So, you know, I mean, any, any business, any big business, I, you know, he, uh, you know, who knows, right? Is it somebody whispering in his ear? Did he change his mind? Did it, you know, who, who really knows? But despite the fact that between September 2018 and right now, crypto hype has been pretty low, you know, visas continue to work on this and they've filed a patent that shows that they, you know, thinking about digitizing dollars on Ethereum. I, I didn't really read the patent. I opened it. I skimmed it. I, I'm, I, you know, all patents are anyway, is a, it's like a contract, right? A contract is the opening salvo in any future lawsuit. If something goes wrong, I mean, that's kind of what a patent is. It's a claim on trying to sue somebody uh, in the future. Uh, if you, you know, if you, if you think you can get money out of them, basically. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to like what could actually be patentable on Ethereum that would, you know, hold up. Uh, especially if somebody just anonymously deploys code, but hey, uh, it's an interesting thing. And uh, pieces, you know, they've, they've quote unquote gotten religion, right? Uh, now they realize that this stuff does seem like the future and they need to have a, have an angle on it. Yeah, it's, they're most likely patenting a process in order to sue someone if they try to use it. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to use Ethereum to uh, launch the token itself. Um, I, it still goes to show, though, that Ethereum has probably like the best development ecosystem, plus most of the developers. If, and as a result, the innovation that is happening is first done on Ethereum. That's where most of the developers have experience. They're familiar with it. So even while they do experiment uh, with it, um, they are basically building off of it. And the last uh, corporate I mean, where else could you build? There's no other place to build, you know? I mean, right. You could. Well, let's be honest. You could. On a, you could on a test net of a of a VC coin, which you know may not go anywhere. Right, but there's algorithms. <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> VC coin. So, um, Coinbase and Gemini are finally banked by J.P. Morgan. They, I don't know how who they've been banking with, but uh, Coinbase, Gemini. Almost any large crypto-focused institution in the United States has been blacklisted, or at least people who uh, have tried to offer bank accounts or financial services to crypto companies have uh, either feared or actually been warned um, about potential um, action from like the U.S. government. It seems like that's lightening up. It's kind of strange that we're actually rooting for two large privately owned exchanges to get the right to have bank accounts with JP Morgan. But on the flip side, realistically, like we know what that means. Like JP Morgan is too big to fail. So they're also too big to jail. And it seems like the regulatory pressure on companies to not do business with crypto companies has subsided enough for one of these too big to fail banks to actually work with uh, crypto companies is still actually a very promising sign of loosening of regulation of people actually being able to do basic business that any other industry could do. And I thought that was still very important to note. 
Yeah, basically every crypto company from, I mean, I don't know, almost from the dawn of time until now, like at least in the United States, has been using Silvergate Bank, which actually went public, I believe, a year ago. So you can actually buy their, their stock. Uh, although I imagine it's probably gone down a decent bit, given that uh, you know JP Morgan <laughs> now said that they would uh, they would bank some of these some folks. Uh, I think the stock is actually done pretty well. I, I'm, I might be wrong. I, I don't really know, but I mean, compared to other investments in crypto, anyway, maybe uh, maybe it did okay. <laughs> uh, they, you know, I. It's yeah, no, no big name bank outside of the you know this small bank in California that at least has a branch out in Silicon Valley was willing to basically take on that relationship. You know, which is sort of crazy, but. And given that this industry has been around for a while, but sort of not crazy. Banking's pretty stodgy. Bankers don't take risks. Interbank transfers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, regulatory pressure. You know, Obama did force a bunch of banks to, you know, not take anybody that wasn't in their twenty, in their twenty non-preferred industries. Right? Not that long ago. So, yeah. Um, that included have to be uh, careful that included the legal marijuana industry and cryptocurrency so yeah yeah i, I mean yeah a bunch of i mean marijuana is at least like not legal federally right like even if it's legal in your state right. it's not legal uh federally i mean they and the the list actually included a bunch of things that were legal you know as well right insane but hey yeah it's um <laughs> censorship resistance matters it does and i've always wondered why the marijuana industry didn't use cryptocurrency payments um i still don't know why like to put it uh to put it mildly most marijuana businesses are cash only businesses because they can't collect debits and credits into a business bank account um sure which is absurd <laughs> because well it's illegal anything will get seized yeah well technically they it is legal within a state and there have been legal precedent um established that uh, allows and legitimizes businesses plus their the laws and the regulations that um that exist that permit them to do business are um, of a nature in which they there's an, an agreement either by the justice department or um or by the actual executive branch in which they would not prosecute areas or like states that have laws that contradict the federal laws but crypto is a weird situation as well because while there is a federal law that makes certain types of business illegal there is the lack of law and clarity regarding how to enforce laws in the cryptocurrency space. Um, unfortunately, this isn't improving. <laughs> um, it's just basically being set by precedent, by lawsuits, by, for example, block one being sued. Um, yeah, it's, it's essentially being like kicked down the road by regulators they'd rather not have official positions and uh i don't know i mean in my opinion if like look at the legal marijuana industry for example once large enough pools of money were um, invested heavily in these legal industries they were able to buy politicians like john boner <laughs> I mispronounced his name, but that's the representative from um, from Florida, former um, Speaker of the House um, for the Republicans. He's now actually a lobbyist for the marijuana industry. And I think the cryptocurrency industry is very much on its way. The former uh, chief legal counsel for... Um, Coinbase is now a high-level regulator as well. Yeah, Banner Banner's from Ohio. 
Um, but Famous yeah, from Ohio. Uh, does and, he and live in Florida? Brian Bond. Sorry. He does live in Florida okay. now. Yeah, I mean he retired, yeah. so he's you know. Uh, I mean, why would you live in Ohio when you could not pay income tax in Florida? Um, and be a lobbyist for the marijuana uh, industry. <laughs> well, he's he's yeah. I mean, he's known for being a big smoker, so um, that's like not too surprising. I mean, I don't know if he was a pot smoker, but he's definitely a, a big, uh, big uh, tobacco smoker. Like, you know, there were there were the occasional uh, while he was speaker, like you know, the speaker of the house smokes, as if like you know your average American cares. Um, uh, yeah, Brian Bond, the the guy from Coinbase, he had used to been a, a banking regulator. So I mean, it's sort of like he went back into the government. Um, anyway, let's get back to ETH stuff. Um, ETH two testnet. You want to talk about that? There are now. Um, f- oh man, I'm gonna have to pronounce it. <laughs> but now there are now five clients syncing to the ETH two Schlesi testnet. Did I pronounce that correctly? I definitely butchered it. Schlesi. I mean, no. yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like it, it, it's it's their you know nickname or, or shortening or whatever you want to call it abbreviation of uh, a subway station, which I think is like Schlesinger Park or something in Berlin. There is a long, pretty long tradition of calling test nets uh, by the subway or rail stop or you know whatever uh closest to where they were spun up and so that's hence why it's called schlesi that's cool so was there a homestead uh, uh testnet wasn't that the original testnet yeah the one before frontier was called the, the yeah the olympic. olympic uh i don't think olympic yeah i don't think olympic was a was a uh a, a a subway stop. Okay, but Gurley or but Rinkaby, Robston, Gurley, uh, Coven, those are all subway are those stops. German sure. names? <laughs> I have no idea. Not all of them. Okay. For instance, Rinkaby is in Sweden. Huh. It was spun up in Sweden, so yeah awesome um the robston i actually forget where robston is i think i think it's in berlin but i'm not sure it might also be in sweden um yeah robston's actually also in in sweden so it does sound swedish more than it does sound german so um yeah and so the uh multi-client testnet for ethereum is that called girly 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 I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I speak English. Despite my six years of German, I now speak Spanish, so <laughs> not German. But uh, yeah, no, I, I girly girly testnet. I mean, it's. Uh, I think the the one is called Girling Girlinger Park. I think is the name of the, mm. um, of the, um, of the subway stop. Uh, it doesn't seem right that it would be called Gerlinger Park, but I don't know. That's what everybody says, at least to me, when um, <laughs> when I've been in Berlin. <laughs> or no, it's Gerlitzer. Maybe it's Gerlitzer. I forget. Whatever it's called. Uh, yeah. Gerlitzer Park. Five clients so. is a lot. <laughs> Five clients, like, already for ETH2 syncing. Uh, to be able to sync currently for the uh phase zero like beacon chain test net to have all five of them like sync together there's probably more so i'm not going to say all five of them there's at least seven there's probably nine um though i'm not as up to date on the current development of them as you are certainly um but that's a lot of active development teams um that have been able to actually push this forward it's worth noting that um the chain did fork but that's the entire point of the testnet they're working out the bugs and i yeah it's it's a really good sign for phase zero uh to come live soon 
That's the way I interpreted it. Is there anything else that I should take away from that news? No, yeah, I think that's pretty much right. Uh, you know, like, you know, Ethereum, the Ethereum network launched in July 2015. It had been worked on, you know, basically since December 2013, January 2014. So it took 18 months. Uh, you know, there were like nine proof of concept, I believe. This is, uh, you know, this isn't that dissimilar. There's, uh, you know, got a bunch of people keep, keeping them all up up to date on whatever the latest spec is. It's been a lot of work. Some of those five are not like I don't actually think are not fully validating. Like they're syncing, but they're not, you know, proposing and attesting to to blocks yet. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's close, and I think a lot of the remaining debate is basically around how long do we let it run on a test net and you know of course what do the security audits say um yeah and there are varying opinions on that personally my opinion is that like this is nascent technology and we should basically push to ship sooner rather than later and fork if something goes wrong and uh yeah i you know like this chain is going to be in production but it's not going to be doing anything in production so this isn't like you know this isn't even like forking the eth one chain in you know i don't know 2015 or whatever after it launched like literally this chain will will, will, will basically just be staking itself right so yeah is that's it my bet. is it like fair to say though that this chain phase zero isn't fully in production until people actually have staked and into it like with a deposit contract oh yeah i i mean i'm saying when we launch it'll be a chain in production but it's not really doing anything in production right, right. Uh, yeah it's just going to be mining blocks you can't right even now. like withdraw your yeah you can't even withdraw your your block your your staking rewards right for for a while so um, yeah, that's why I think we should, you know, not be unwilling to just launch it and, um, you know, not YOLO launch it either, but, you know, I, we don't have to have the highest expectations for this. It is nascent technology. Uh, you know, of course there's a PR hit if, you know, something happens, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I think even if somebody found a show stopping bug, you would probably be more likely to report it than you would be to try to take advantage of it because you would know that it would just be forked away and you couldn't withdraw the balance. So your incentives really to forego the bug bounty and instead, you know, uh, have it really be a bad PR hit or basically just you own a lot of Bitcoin, right? Um, like that's really the only real reason why you would do that. So. Yeah. Anyway, I, you know, it, it's close. How close it is, whether it's Q3 or Q4, I think that is yet to be determined. I think it would really be really unlikely that it would be in, in, in 2021, but it's still possible. Software does, you know, the, the final little push always takes longer than you think, right? So Awesome. So our hour is closing up. Thank you, everyone who's been listening to us. Um, is there any last pitch of something else that they should go into and read from this week? I got one. If uh, you nope. want me to start, there is this video by Austin Griffith that is funny. <laughs> uh, Austin, you might remember him because I talked about him on the show a lot. Uh, he's the maker of the Burner Wallet. Um, he has built something called ETH.build and it's fair to say that it's basically like a graphic interface to um, an Ethereum component builder. You can generate addresses, you can do a lot of stuff, like you can play with cryptography on it and it actually has like working code and you just wire it up together. And he made a demo video that is like a great explainer slash like amusing introduction to ethereum developers um and we're gonna link the video in the description so forward it to someone who's a developer who's thinking about getting 
or at least playing around with ETH because it might be a really like fun sandbox to get them started in. So, yeah, it's two and a half minutes, and it's 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 as entertaining as any as any dev video could be. I, it's funny. I I agree. It's a it's a great. Uh, amusing watch. Yeah, and his tutorials are also really funny for no other reason than like he puts on a bow tie and a dress shirt to give them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, highly recommended. It'll be linked below. Um, thanks for joining us again this week, and talk to you next week.